Thank you for listening to sermons by Chaplain Braswell. We hope that you are encouraged by these messages and that God will continue to bless you. And now, today's sermon. Well, good morning. If you have a Bible, I hope that you do. Uh, please turn to Acts chapter 24, where we have already uh, read some of the scripture. and We'll look at some more uh, this morning as we look at, at this subject, Jesus from start to finish, no matter what. Jesus from start to finish, uh, no matter what. In the middle of a, of a pandemic, in the middle of what I think almost all of us would say are trying times with many different things that are going on, I, I can't think of a better theme than to remind us to focus on Jesus no matter what. And we're going to take that from the Apostle Paul in Acts uh, chapter 24 as we look at that uh, this morning. By this point in Acts, uh, many things have happened. Uh, you've, you've already had Acts chapter 1 verse 8, of course, uh, the, great, uh, the mandate to, to be witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. And today is traditionally Pentecost Sunday, that first day of uh, Pentecost, at least when the Holy Spirit showed up for, for Pentecost. Uh, they've been uh, celebrating it for years, but that special day when Peter preached that great sermon and thousands were saved. By the time we get to Acts 24, God's word, the message of the resurrection of Christ, it is, it is spread all over the place. It has, in fact, reached Jerusalem. By this point, it's reached Judea, it's reached Samaria, and it's begun to reach all over the, all over the world. Uh, by now, Paul has completed uh, his missionary journeys that you read about in Acts. And at this point, they've been all over the place. They've been uh, through Antioch, Cyprus, Macedonia, Berea, Athens, Corinth, Ephesus. I could go on and on. Many events have happened by then. Some joyous occasions when thousands get saved, but also some sad occasions and some, uh, some heart-wrenching stories the first deacon, Stephen, when he was stoned to death, for example. Uh, Paul, by this point, has already been shipwrecked. Paul himself had been stoned at one point by now, although he was not uh, put to death, of course. Here in this story, we find ourselves where Paul has been arrested. If we were to go back to Acts chapter 22, we would find that Paul is giving his testimony, and there are some Jews there, that they want him killed. And, and they're, they're opposing what they call the, the way. And when they say the way, they mean the message of Jesus Christ, the followers who say that Jesus is the Son of God and that, that he's rose from the dead and that by faith in him we can be saved. Uh, they opposed all that. Well, as they were going back and forth with Paul and he was arrested, they have a plot to kill him. In fact, the scripture very specifically says that this group who wanted to kill Paul, it said they would not eat until they killed Paul. I, there's a lot of things that are important to me, but I can guarantee you if it's important to me, I'm probably still going to stop and eat along the way. Amen. So I'll give them this. Although their motives are horrible, they're committed to killing our man Paul. Now, by that time, the Roman governor Claudius, who finds out that Paul goes, wait a minute, I'm a Roman citizen, which gave him some special uh, privileges of the day. And, and this Roman governor named Claudius, he intercedes. And what he does is he decides to bring Paul into custody. And in fact, I, I, I can't help but think this is divine intervention because God still had some plans for Paul. Amen. By the way, if God was done with you, you would be dead. Right. If God was done with me, I would be dead. And apparently that was true for Paul. So he brings Paul into, into custody, he discovers he's a Roman citizen. And what happens essentially in Acts 22 and 23 is under period of darkness with about 470 soldiers, he brings... Paul secretly with, with all this security to, to another governor named Felix. Well, Felix, he orders Paul's accusers to come 
60 miles to Caesarea to give their testimony in person. Mm -hmm. Now, earlier in our service already, we had uh, Chaplain Kelly with us, and he was reading Acts chapter 24, the first part, and, and what we read was that the Jews had a spokesman named Tertullus, and he, and he, gave, he gave his arguments against Paul. He said, first, Paul is accused of he's starting riots among the Jews all over the world. Number two, he accused Paul of being the leader of the Nazarenes, which we find out was true, one of the leaders. Third, he accused Paul of profaning the temple. And the scriptures tell us that all the, 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 the ones who were against Paul, they were all there together and they were in agreement with Tertullus, sort of cheering him on and making their case against Paul. Well, we also read there that Paul gives, he, he's given a chance to respond. And it says that Paul acknowledged that God given Felix the position to judge and Paul says, first of all, he says that he had only been to Jerusalem for 12 days from his missionary journey. When he returned, uh, the Bible says that he went to the temple to worship. And uh, Paul says he hadn't taught or preached anything, and he hasn't really started any riots. Paul's saying, no, that's not the case. Mm -hmm. As to the second point of Paul being a follower of the Nazarene, Paul says, yes, I am. And he explains, I am, the, I am a worshiper of the Nazarene. I worship the God of my fathers. God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Israel. And he says he believes all the law and the prophets. That is uh, the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. And then third, Paul says again, he's returned to Jerusalem and he says specifically what he's there to do. He says he's there to bring alms for the poor and offerings uh, for the temple. And he explains before all of them this passage in chapter 21. And I invite you, uh, we're going to look at the rest of this chapter together in Acts chapter 24. Let's read verses 21 through 27 to hear the rest of the story as we think about how Paul, in his conversation with Felix, you're going to see that he keeps Jesus right in the center. He keeps Jesus at the focal point just as he has through the book of Acts. So listen to this and follow along, Acts 24, verse 21. He says, Paul speaking, other than this one thing that I cried out while standing among them, in other words, he's already said this one time, here is what he says, it is with respect to the resurrection of the dead that I am on trial before you this day. Verse 22, but Felix, having a rather accurate knowledge of the way, put them off, saying, when Lysias, the tribute, comes down, I'll decide your case. Then he gave orders to the centurion that he should be kept in custody, but have some liberty and that none of his friends should be prevented from attending to his needs. After some days, Felix Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish. And he sent for Paul and heard him speak about faith in Christ Jesus. Verse 25. And as he reasoned about three things, notice them, about righteousness and self-control and the coming judgment. Felix was alarmed and said, go away for the present. When I get an opportunity, I'll summon you. At the same time, he hoped that money would be given him by Paul. So he sent for him often and conversed with him. When two years had elapsed, in other words, Paul was in custody of this man two years, Felix was succeeded by Portius Festus and desiring to do the Jews a favor, Felix left Paul in prison. He was accused of being a troublemaker as he stands before Felix. He was there for two years and then succeeded by Festus. Paul during this time was under house arrest. What I want to point out first of all is this. As Paul was there interacting with Felix, as Paul was there in prison, as he often does in prison through the book of Acts, he keeps the focus 
from start to finish on Jesus. For us this day, I can't think of a better thought for us to begin with as we look at this passage is that this. Number one, keep our focus on Christ from start to finish. There is no other name. This is the exclusivity of who Jesus is. I want you to notice, I pointed this out as we read that, that Paul, as he interacts with Felix and as he shares the gospel, he makes three, he says he, he has three sort of points. Righteousness, self-control, and judgment. When I think about Paul talking about righteousness, I can't help but think of some of Paul's letters. Let me read a couple of passages of Scripture to you about righteousness. Righteousness being not that you and I can be righteous enough to be saved ourselves, but the point being that you and I don't have the righteousness, but that as we have our faith in Jesus Christ, God declares us righteous through Christ. Look at uh, Romans. You don't have to turn there. I'll read it to you. Romans chapter 3 has several verses that mention this. Verse 22 says this. Paul said in, in his letter to the Romans, this righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There's no difference between Jew and Gentile. I can't help but think that the same Paul who wrote that probably said something very similar to Felix who was not a Jew, and to his wife, Drusilla, who was a Jew, making the point that righteousness is the key. We need righteousness, and it only comes through our faith in Jesus Christ. I can't help but think of Paul as he said this in Romans 3 and 25. He said, God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness. Verse 26, he did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus Christ. If you go back and read Acts chapter 22, you're going to find this Paul being passionate, understanding that he was saved by grace through faith. For Paul, as he shares with this couple, this one who is actually his captor, his first point is self-control, or excuse me, is righteousness. He's saying that, that we need the righteousness that only comes through faith in Jesus Christ. But he also talks about self-control. He says he talked to him about self-control. Well, if you read a little bit of history and some, some historians of the day, you find out that Felix, as you can imagine from what little bit you read here, is, is, is not, a, not a nice character in some ways. He has some moral immorality going on in his life. In fact, uh, Drusilla was actually someone else's wife when he took Drusilla as his wife, for example. So I can't help but think that Paul is talking to him a little bit about self-control. What does he say here? He kept Paul for two years. Why? Hoping that Paul would give him some money. Paul brought that collection to Jerusalem. Felix lacked self-control. When I think about that and I think about this idea of keeping Jesus in the center, having Jesus from start to finish, you and I are responsible for our own actions. Uh, we live in a world where when many times when something, when, when, when something goes wrong, it's always easy to blame somebody else. I'm, I'm so, remember, the, remember the story of the Pharisee and the tax collector. I'm so glad I'm not like this tax collector. You can always find somebody out there in our, in our own minds to justify our life who is sorrier than me. Go find somebody who's done something really bad and you can make, it makes me look good. We all are tempted sometimes to do that. But Paul's reminding him, no, no, Felix, you're responsible for your own actions. You and I are responsible for what we do with Christ. He talked about righteousness. He talked about self-control. But then he talked about, it says in the Bible, judgment. Judgment. Not a very popular 
phrase today, is it? Judgment. I can't help but think of the writer of Hebrews who said, just as people are destined to die once, and after that to face judgment. Felix didn't want to hear about judgment, I can imagine. In fact, if you look at, remember how when we read it, what did it say? It said that as he reasoned with him, Felix was alarmed and said, go away for the present. He didn't exactly accept this message, but Paul continued to reason with him and Paul continued to share with him. Paul, in the midst of all these things, kept Jesus at the center of everything. Paul had a, a laser focus. There's great power in being what I would call a one-thing person. You can think of famous people's names and one thing comes to mind. Michael Jordan, one thing comes to mind, right? There's a, who, who's the greatest of all time? Well, some would say LeBron James is in that uh, contention as well. But one thing comes to mind when you think of him. Tom Brady, you think of one thing. Yo-Yo Ma, the great cellist. Pavarotti, the opera singer. Da Vinci, the artist. There's power in being a one-thing person. What could God do with you and with me if we decided in our lives we're going to focus on Christ and we're going to be one focused people? Amen. What a difference could we make in this world? Keep it Jesus start to finish. But also keep it Jesus no matter what. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is I want you to take note of everything we've already mentioned that Paul has gone through Yet he has continued his focus on Christ. Remember, he was in this prison for two years. I, I, as I get ready to PCS, I've, I've had some anxiety, uh, not a small amount of anxiety, over thinking about the thought of being quarantined in paradise for two weeks. And, and I'm over here complaining about it. Well, good night. They're taking me to paradise. How, how you know, suffer up for two weeks? It's not that big a deal. Two years. Two years. And after Felix... Festus took over, and you know what Festus did? He kept him in pre prison for no reason, really for political expediency. Mm -hmm. uh, you know the statue of Lady Justice. Remember Lady Justice is blindfolded? Well, in Paul's life here, you could say that blindfolded Lady Justice took off the blindfold to see which way the wind was blowing at the time. I know none of us can think of examples of politicians over the years who take off the blindfold and see what popular opinion says, but that's exactly what took place here. And Paul had to suffer. But no matter what the circumstances, he kept his focus on Christ. He was arrested. He was shipwrecked. Some of his friends he dearly loved or came to love and came to know were killed. James, the brother of Jesus, was killed. Stephen had already been stoned. Paul was stoned. He kept his focus on the gospel. Even though Felix was dragging his feet, even though Claudius told him to have a trial, it didn't matter. He continued to keep his focus on one thing. In fact, if you flip back a couple of pages, we won't, you don't have to turn there. I'll read it to you. But in Acts chapter 20, verse 27, Paul said, I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. No matter the circumstances, that was irrelevant because of his laser focus on the importance of Christ. Paul also wrote about this in his great letter to the Philippians. In Philippians chapter 3, let me read to you what he said. And I can't help but think that as Paul was writing, remember, he wrote a lot of these letters in prison. So some during all of these imprisonments is when he wrote these things. 
Here's what Paul said in Philippians 3. He said, whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. As I get ready to PCS, I was thinking about the movers are coming uh, this week. And I was thinking about all the, you, you got the stuff you kind of need, you got a plan, you got to keep it with you. You don't want to accidentally have that get moved because you got to keep it with you. And, I, and they tell you, I was reading through, I got an email from the, the company and they give you all these reminders. And one of the things they say is, if it's very important to you, if it's valuable, keep it on your person and, you know, valuables and jewelry, et cetera, and all that. And all those things are important. But at the end of the day, it's all stuff. At the end of the day, if my stuff gets lost, I'll be upset, and you'll probably hear me complain about it. But I'm more concerned about my wife and our children all making it there safely. Amen. That's what's important. I can't help but think in the day of this pandemic, one of the things that I think God's people, I hope and pray, are reminded of as people around us are suffering is that people are what's important. Is that following Christ and serving God and loving each other is what's important. Paul is reminding us that no matter the circumstances, and I'm so glad because they change. You want to be depressed? Stop and think about all the things in your life you have absolutely no control over, and you will be depressed unless you say, you know what, I'm going to trust God no matter the circumstances, and then all of a sudden our perspective will change. Well, Paul says we're going to Focus on Jesus, start to finish, no matter what. And the point number three is this. Jesus, not only start to finish, not only no matter what, but the last point is the point that Paul starts with. The reason for all this is the resurrection from the dead. Yeah. If you go back to verse 21, this is the second time Paul makes this statement in the book of Acts. He says, it is with respect to the resurrection of the dead that I am on trial before you this day. In other words, he says to those people, the bottom line is the reason I'm on trial is because I'm saying that Jesus Christ is alive and that Jesus Christ is Lord. Paul is saying this, if you do not believe in the physical resurrection of Christ, you don't believe the gospel. He's saying if Jesus did not survive the wrath of God against him for our sins, Jesus failed. If he didn't rise, he didn't pay the debt for our sins and credit us with that righteousness. If Jesus did rise from the dead, guess what? We'll physically rise from the dead too. If Jesus did not physically rise from the dead, you and I, we're not going to physically rise from the dead. If he didn't rise from the dead, our preaching is in vain. Our faith is in vain. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, we've been lying about God. If Jesus didn't physically rise from the dead, our sins are not forgiven. If Jesus didn't physically rise from the dead, those who have died believing in Christ have no hope. If Jesus didn't physically rise from the dead, our faith is only about living a, quote, good life. And we're to be pitied because our sins would not be forgiven. But just as Chaplain Kelly preached on the idea of the kingdom of God and the gates of hell won't prevail against it, because of the resurrection, we know that we're safe in the arms of God. Paul said it this way in another place in Philippians, chapter 4. He said, whatever gains were for me, I consider a loss. And he says this. He says, I want to know Christ 
brothers and sisters, I do not yet take hold of it, but forgetting what is behind and straining for what is ahead, I press toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Jesus Christ. And he also says this in verse 10, I want to know Christ, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings. What makes all the difference in the world is the fact that Jesus is alive. As I was looking at that passage and thinking about the fact of Jesus rising from the dead and, and Paul's in this passage laser focus on the resurrection, I ran across a story that, that is, a, is a record of the ancient castles of Ireland. I don't know if some of you, I've never been to, to Ireland. I'd love to see all these magnificent castles. Maybe some of you have or have, have been to. But I want to read to you a story sort of a sad story about the ruin of one of the great castles, but I think it, it helps us to see the importance of the resurrection uh, by illustration. It's entitled, Preserving the Ruins. <clears throat> one of Ireland's magnificent ruined castles came to its final end in this manner. The ancient seat of the Castle Reyes overlooks Low Swilly, and it was one of the most princely residences in Ireland. Eventually, it fell into decay, and it was not inhabited. As usual in such circumstances, when the peasantry wanted to build a pigsty, repair a road, or anything of the sort, they would take the stones from the ruined castle. Why go, why go, why go dig for them when they're right there at the castle? Just, just steal them, which was disappearing piecemeal, piece by piece. But then one day, the owner, Lord Londonderry, he paid a visit to his Irish property. And when he saw the state that the castle was in, he reflected on the fact it was so much identified with the history of his family, and even as a ruin was a glory of Ireland, he determined to put a stop to the encroachments that had been made upon it. Sending for his agent to give him orders that the people were no longer to remove the stones from the building, he came up with a plan. He instructed him to have the place enclosed with a wall six feet high and well coped to keep out the trespassers. That being done, wall complete, he went his way and did not return to Ireland for three or four years. Then he found to his amazement when he came back, the old castle had completely disappeared. And in its place was a big glorious wall enclosing nothing. <laughs> Sending for the agent, he demanded to know why his orders had not been carried out. And the agent insisted that they had been. <laughs> Lord Londonderry said, but where's the castle, he demanded. The castle it is. Ah, I built the wall with it, my lord. Is it for me to be going miles for the material with the finest stones in Ireland beside me? In telling the man to build the wall, Lord Londonderry had said nothing whatever about preserving the castle, which is now a thing of the past. Nevertheless, the wall is a good one. <laughs> now listen, don't build something if it means taking the focus away from the main thing. You and I must remember, don't build something else if it means taking away the focus from Christ and his resurrection. Don't destroy the castle for some other side issue. Soldier, sailor, Airmen, Marine, 
service member. I, I, I implore you, continue to stand for Christ and keep Him the main thing in your families, even in the midst of deployment, PCS, and other maybe rigors of military life. Don't, don't go to the side issue of the walls that don't have anything to do with the castle. Keep the focus on Christ. Retirees, don't settle for building a wall of your own making when God is calling you to be a part of building His kingdom and keeping the focus on Christ. How can you continue to devote your time, your money, your energy, and your life to Christ? And I imagine this morning I'm mostly talking to God's people, so I say this, God's people don't succumb to the temptation to water down the truth of the resurrection. That name under heaven given among which, by which we must be saved. To quote Paul once more, don't, don't build hay and stubble, things that don't last. And don't take away the truth of the gospel to build something else pretty and cute that might be popular today. Continue to stand on the truth that Christ is risen and that makes all the difference. Jesus Christ, start to finish, no matter the circumstances, because Christ is alive and that makes all the difference. Let me pray for us.